Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal. Yes, June 10th. We're into June, and there's a different type of feel to the air, literally. Sorry, it's a lot cooler today. It gave us a little bit of that blast this morning in the early hours. It's like, ooh, okay. We went from a little bit of perspiration first thing in the morning to now a little bit of a chill where I was kind of saying, where's my jacket? But it felt much better taking an early stroll through the greenhouses and enjoying that crispness. And I think the plants in all the greenhouses that are out there are taking in a little bit of a breath of fresh air with this coolness. Boy, was it hot this week. And how has your garden been doing? It's a bit of a conversation that we're going to have because we're into June and things are acting a little bit differently. But June, oh June, take a listen. June. What is so rare as a day in June? Then, if ever, come perfect days. Then heaven tries the earth as if in tune, and over it softly her warm ear lays. Whether we look or whether we listen, we hear life murmur or see it glisten. Every clod feels a stir of might, an instinct within that reaches and towers and groping blindly above it for light, climbs to a soul in grass and flowers the flush of life, may well be seen, thrilling back over hills and valleys, the cowslip startles in meadows green, the buttercup catches the sun in its chalice, and there's never a life nor blade to mean, to be some happy creature's palace. The little bird sits as the door in the sun, a tilt like a blossom among the leaves, and lets his illumined being overrunneth, while the deluge of summer it receives. His mate fills the eggs beneath her wings, and the heart of her dumb breast flutters and sings. He sings to the world wide, as she is to her nest in the nice ear of nature. Which song is the best? Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And yes, is it just me or does everything look so kind of green and lush, especially the trees? Maybe not your newly planted plant starts because there was a little bit of a heat stress. But in certain areas, I think that we just greened up so fast this year with the trees just... It almost went from zero, yeah, I'm not saying zero in speed, I went zero in temperature, to plus 30 in such a small time frame that a lot of the plants just went, all right, from zero to 30 degrees fast. It, it's explosion of color. And there's a lushness that's out there too. And in some instances, we're finding that some things are progressing a little bit faster than usual. And I think a lot of people in the last little conversation have been sort of saying, 
we are haven't been feeling this type of heat until maybe July, and here we're here uh, feeling over plus 30 degrees, plus a lot of humidity. Yes, the humidity was a little bit of a factor as well. So there is some things, and I think heat stress. Yeah, I know we all had a little bit of a heat stress, but our plants did too. I know today is a little bit of a nicer day. They're taking that deep breath in. Can you just feel it? They're doing that. (sighs) It feels so good. It's cooler. We can do this. If you notice that some of your plants have stressed, uh, shriveling, crisper leaves, these are sort of things that maybe some people think maybe a hive, <coughs> excuse me, uh, overwatered or underwatered. If they think that there's a crispness to some of the leaves, oh no, they're drying out. I need to add more water. You have to be cautious when we have excessive heat because plants have a little bit of a different twist on the action towards this heat. In essence, a lot of plants, if we water them, they're trying to take up water at the same time that the respiration and the evaporation, a lot of the moisture in their leaves is is going faster than their ability to take it up. Hence, we see a little bit of the edges kind of curling, and if they get to that point where they've lost too much moisture to that suppleness of the leaf, they will get brittle. There will be a recovery. You may crunch off some of those leaves that have maybe gotten a little bit too brittle, but plants will come back. If it's completely wilted to the ground on certain things, ah, you might have to do a little extra digging and a little extra planting. Now, courses of taking to prevent heat stress if we get hot again is a little bit of a measure. Try watering early in the morning when the temperatures are cooler that the moisture can stay in the ground a little bit longer. In the afternoon, if you're watering, it's hot. You're going to get the evaporation. You're going to get the wicking of the moisture from the ground out faster than you want. You want your plants to be able to absorb that moisture in a slow, steady rate so it fills those pores and gives it the energy and the growth that it needs to keep going. You can add some extra protection. Uh, I know that we use a lot of row cover. You're going to say, what's row cover if you've never used it and you're uh, a newbie to the gardeners and you're listening? Getting some protective row cover. It's like a very white, thin, thin protective fabric. And we do it a little hooping uh, hooping measure over top of maybe some of our flowers, definitely some of our crops. Uh, some people that are familiar with using it against prevention of flea beetles or cabbage worms, even those nasty potato bugs, get the protection over there before the moths start flying and laying some of their eggs that are on there. And if it is exceedingly hot, why not use that to give a little bit of a shade to some of your early starts so that they have a chance. They're able to get a little bit of protection from that beating sun. They're still going to get a little bit of light through that cloth. So just imagine giving it a nice little early drink in the morning, put a protective cover, a row cover, and it's going to be beneficial. I know Shirley's waiting, but I'm just going to mention one more thing before we go to Shirley. There's also the capacity that if you're doing your watering, use a soaker hose. Again, what's a soaker hose? It's a hose that is flattened and it's got holes perforated on it. I love using it upside down, not upward, where I'm going to get evaporation going to the air. That's for the grandkids. This is for the plants, holes down onto the ground in my crops 
slow, steady drink, direct to plant. And of course, my ever so famous, I love and passion for chopped garden straw. The garden straw has been screeded. Most of the weeds have been taken out and it's chopped fine, which is perfect for strawberries. Also perfect for rows of vegetables so you can actually do your weeding. It'll prevent some weeds from coming up a little bit. And actually, you can walk into the garden, keeps your plants cool underneath when it holds that moisture down. So if you're looking for a little bit of the garden straw, use some of it on your garden. And in the fall, till it in and amend your garden. All right, we're going to go right to the line. Shirley's waiting. Hi, Shirley. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Where are you calling from this morning? Oh, I'm from Kaleida. Kaleida. Well, hello and good morning to everyone in Kaleida. Thank you. Um, I've got a couple of questions. One is like uh, I've got, we planted the garden and everything, but only some of the seeds came up. I don't know if they're still waiting or what, but we planted them quite a long time ago. So the plants that did come up are doing great, but there's a lot of holes like where to or some, you know, like the, would it be the seeds or what could be the problem? Okay. Um, what, uh, what seeds were you seeding? Uh, is, we it did every, everything is everything? From, yeah, every, we've got two big gardens. So um, the potatoes are, some of them are even flowering already. Like that, I think, is early. But um, everything, like the stuff that came up, did really good. But there's a lot of spaces where there's nothing. Okay. So, um, can I ask you a couple questions? Um, sure. How, was it new seed or was it seed that you held from last year? Well, some of it was in one garden was all new seed, and then in the other garden, it uh, was a seed that I've had for a year or two. Okay. And when you, we're going to talk about that kind of first, because there is a, a portion of seed. When you get new seed, there's generally a percentage rate of germination that should be in that package. And so the new seed should come up. So there might be something else that's factoring that, which we'll talk about. But your old seed at that point, um, just a little bit of hints, if we're carrying over old seed from one year to the other, uh, it's best to store it in a Ziploc bag in a cool location. I always Ziploc mine and put them in the fridge so that it keeps a percentage of some of that moisture content in that seed. Okay? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a good trick. Because sometimes if they lay out and it's in a hot shed or a hot garden shed, you're going to lose that. Uh, percentage of of moisture content in that seed, which is the viability of it, right? Okay. Yeah. You might think it's a tiny seed; it's not wet, but there is. A, <laughs> trust me, there's yeah. a little bit of a plumpness to that seed that when it gets okay. that moisture, it's going to explode oh, yeah. into a plant. So, uh-huh. other things oh. that could affect the the portion of it. Now, is it entire rows of it, or is it sort of the sporadicness? No, it's it's sporadic. Sporadic. Or it'll be like towards the end of a row or in between. And then the next row will be beautiful. I found problems with peas and with the beans and uh, carrot, well, carrots. We've already planted them twice. Now there there's still holes in them, which is okay in one way. But then uh, the second batch, the first batch we planted, they're now finally coming up. So they're really late like compared yeah. to the first batch. Okay. So... Sometimes, batch, yeah. yeah, okay, there's different factors that could cause that's in it. So if it's, if it's a mixed seed or if it's all the same seed, there's a scenario that if, okay, if I want blended 
different types of seeds, different types of seeds, even though they're in the same family. Of, like, let's take carrots, for example. If it's the exact same carrot seed in that row and some of them are not coming up, um, environmental factors may play cause, as in some seeds may be a little bit higher to the surface than, than lower on the surface. So we could get washouts. We could get heat stress. We could also get that if some of them came up and you just see that first little cotyledon, like sort of like that first little, it's almost like the water shoot root that comes first before you get the cotyledon, the first set of leaves that come up, right? And if that comes up and it's to the surface where it doesn't get moisture at that time or it gets too much moisture at that time, too little moisture will cause it, that seed to die and too much moisture could cause that little seedling to rot. Okay? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then there's the other environmental factors are birds and insect that could cause it. But you still have time to seed over that. So do a little bit of overseeding to fill it in. But uh, if I use carrots as a scenario, sometimes we overseed our carrots and they're pretty, we end up thin, thinning some of those out anywhere. But if you have big spaces in between, I would definitely yeah. get some get some more carrots going in there. Okay, like the peas, they're quite sporadic. Then and usually well, they're full. They're usually full, yeah. I think this yeah. is a, a different year because, A, it's you, usually seeds like to have certain temperatures for them to germinate and to go through a growth process. Like um, if, I, if I welcomed you to my seeding world, I have uh, a chamber that I do regulated temperatures for the varieties of seeds that I'm sowing so I get the best germination on that. And sometimes oh, yeah. when we're sowing and we get that excessive heat that's on there, maybe that is playing some of that factor. And you never know, miraculously, you may get... At some point, you may get some of these popping up maybe a little bit later. You know, it's the mystery, oh, yeah. of, the, it's the mystery of the seed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Do, some overse- do some overseeding. Get those peas in there because we do end up doing um, like succession cropping. And that's one thing where if you're doing a certain crop, you can do a secondary crop and a tertiary or third crop process of it and we see that with radishes we see that sometimes with lettuce okay oh yeah yep so i would say you've got some work to do the cutworms are back too oh (laughs) we had one cutworm so that took out one of the plants but i haven't seen him anywhere else yet okay well i well i hope you dug him and found him and did the little squish to him (laughs) sorry yeah yeah. Gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, or take the shovel spade and flick and o- flick him over the fence somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, so, he's gone. He's gone. Good. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like I'm being cruel, but we we want to protect our plants too as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for the information. Oh, you're and, very welcome. Uh, and uh, sometimes too, if with the heavy rains, um, which yeah. I never mentioned, but sometimes if you've got some heavy rains, maybe your rows kind of moved over sideways somewhere. So. Uh, you might have some okay. gravitating seeds going somewhere. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank. You. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Thank you for calling. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 It is. It's like the. Um, sometimes it's like the traveling seed too, as well, because I know I uh, I have some chives in one area that I have put them in, and I have this great big downspout that's right there, and now I have a chives trail along a pathway with exactly where the water flows from my one garden. 
So, it's not only the story of the traveling pants, it's the story of the traveling seed. I'd love to hear about how your garden is growing, what you're planting, and how beautiful it's going to be. I know that spring and June, actually, it's not quite summer yet. We're almost hitting that uh, cuspus of the new moon that's coming. That we says June is here, but it is June, not spring. It is June summer. We're just on that edge. And I know because the peonies in my garden are just starting to open. And it depends. Some areas I'm looking around and the peonies are open full blast, full open, out. And normally, uh, the peonies that I have planted in my area, yes, I have them underplanted under a beautiful Meyer lilac that I've raised up. And normally, it's not quite in bloom until probably closer to when summer solstice begins. So it too is early. And we're seeing that some plants emerged earlier than normal. The heat has definitely played a factor in announcing its their arrival and getting things going. And also too, the heat causes progressiveness that's on it. So even when you're designing and you're figuring out your plants, whether they're perennials or annuals, uh, sometimes by placing them in open sunlight, where it's sunlight all day, some plants say, I want sunlight. And you're always thinking, well, it gets shade too. Do I put it in the shade? Yes, if you can. Because think of daylight hours or sunlight hours. And sunlight hours in the gardening world is usually about six hours of of sunlight combined is the option for plants that will grow in sun. Now, if I've combined sunlight early in the morning to let's say 10 and a few hours in the evening, sure, Put your geraniums in those locations because remember, if I'm in the full sun all day, I will open my flowers, but it is going to be a little bit taxing on some of those flowers. So I find that if they have a little bit of shade, a little bit of protection, a little bit of dabbling, they do a little bit better. It's like us. We love being in the full sun, but occasionally... Pop open that umbrella, give yourself a little bit of respite, give yourself a little bit of shade, and you'll find that you have a little bit more energy. Just remember, though, those plants that are blasting in the full sun, we have to take extra measures on making sure that they have the moisture. And this is a shout-out, I think I spoke about it last week, is your hanging baskets in your container pots. Check them day and check them at night for optimal growth We don't want to stress them out with the heat and let them dry out because the first thing they're going to lose is their flowers. Now we have a question here and um, we have, you know what, I was going to go to Parker's, uh, he had a a question from his dad, I'm just reading here, Parker's sending me messages here, but uh, you know what, let's go to Jessina's uh, question first before we go to your dad's question there, Parker. Hi, Jessina, how How are are you? you? Hi, I'm doing quite well, thanks, and you? I'm good. You know what? I, I don't know. I kind of have a little bit of a shock, shock this morning getting that cool temperature in the early morning, but it's kind of invigorating, eh? Yes, quite a change. It is a change, but you know what? We'll take it. It's like a breath of fresh air. For sure. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Um, it's not a garden question, but I have an indoor, uh, like a weeping fig tree. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it started losing leaves like uh, it was quite tall already and uh, most of there's two branches or a few branches at the bottom that look healthy they've been getting new leaves 
but the rest of the tree died. Oh, okay. Uh, did you change its location recently? <clears throat> no, I did not. No? Okay. All right. Um, how old is the plant? Oh, it's, oh, I don't know, about 20 years or something. 20 years old? Have you transplanted it lately? No, I have not. Okay. Well, basically, if you want to, if it's completely bald on one side, what I want you to do is we do the same thing for trees that are outside. I want you to take um, either your... I, I would use my fingernail, but if you want to, you can grab a, a small knife and gently cut into the outside cambium or the bark of your weeping fig to see if you viatility or green undertones under the brown bark. Oh, okay. Okay. If you see brown, or sorry, if you see green undertones under the brown bark, there's something that's causing that tree to defoliate, but the branching is still alive. So okay, because I didn't know should I cut it down or, or what should I do? But I, I, that not let's not be aggressive and cut anything down until we give it a scratch. I call it a scratch test. So it's basically scratching the outer cambium. You, sometimes you got to go a little bit deeper in the cambium, but if you, as soon as you remove that bark, if you see bright green or lime green, uh -huh. the, the growth is still there. Okay, There's something that's just caused it to defoliate. Okay, so, uh, I kept waiting. It's been, oh, it's probably been a month already because I kept waiting. Well, maybe it'll get new leaves yet, but Okay, do so the scratches first. If you just find brown, brown and brittleness, uh -huh. then something has to be done. That I would then start pruning it out. Okay. Now, take a look at the bark of your <clears throat> tree, too, as well. Okay. Because I'm curious to see if you have an infestation of bugs or, uh, like, sometimes they're prone to scale. So it looks like bark, but it's bumpy little bugs that attack the branchings of it. Would that not attack the whole tree, though? Because, like, I have a couple of branches at the bottom. They look perfectly healthy. They've been getting new leaves. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they will attack. Just you'll, you'll get a higher incidence on one area, and then they'll travel. Okay. Okay. So check the bark, too. If it doesn't look like the same or if it looks bumpy or irregular pattern that's to it, I'm just giving you a cautionary thing of maybe that may be happening to as well. It doesn't look like it. I'm just checking it here now. Oh, good girl. Yeah, Are you scratching it to see if there's no, any line green I haven't, uh, I haven't. Like, would that be on the main stem or the or You the could branch? do it up on the tips, and then I would gravitate down to see if it's, like, if it's really dead at the tips, it won't see it. But I would go to the trunk about, how tall is it? Um, how tall is your tree? It's probably about six feet. Six feet, go halfway down on the on the portion of it that's kind of what you think is kind of dead and do a scratch test and see if you see lime green. Okay. We're all waiting patiently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's green. It's green. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when we think that it's dying, we think sometimes we're going to encourage it by giving it more water and more water. Uh -huh. You have to be cautious not to overwater it. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So in this state, it may just be taking its time to reset some leaves. Okay. Okay, so just be cautious with that. If you want to encourage a little bit of uh, boost on it, you could do a little bit of a trim back or tip cut it down a little bit to encourage more branching further down. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so how far can I cut it down back? We're going to treat it like an outdoor tree, okay. and the rule of thumb is you can take up to one-third off the top back. But okay. you don't want to go 
extreme because if one side is, like if you have three branches that are uh, six feet tall, you don't want to take one down to one-third. So take, no. take a bit off, okay? Okay. And what's going to happen is if it's still viable and it's still green, if you it, it will want to put new branches closer to the top. And what we want to do is say, we want you to start more leaves on the bottom uh-huh. to, to fit, bring you back fullness. Okay? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, because the bottom looks, it's been getting new leaves. It looks just beautiful. <laughs> so, but anyway, okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. And just remember, if if you turn the air conditioner off and it's right beside the air conditioner, sometimes that happens, that it'll defoliate. No, it isn't. You know, one thing I did was I, I took a long fork and I kind of dug around in the dirt because I like to see how wet it is at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know. Had I disturbed it because of that? I No. 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 Okay. No. And a six-foot tree in the same pot for a number of years, <coughs> as long as we know that hydroponics works, as long as you're feeding it, fertilizing it, and watering it mm-hmm. adequately, it can stay in the pot. We we have a ficus tree that's probably, it goes to 18, 19 feet tall, and it grows along the roof to about 25, 30 feet wide. And the landscapers come in every two or three years, laid on the ground, and we take about 10 feet off of it. <laughs> oh, off of the roots. Off of the top. Oh, the top. Our roofs in our greenhouse only go so far, and then eventually it starts crawling along the ceiling. Okay. So we have to prune it back. <coughs> okay. And Sorry, it's a I tiny understood. little pot, only 30 inches wide. Okay. Okay? <coughs> that sounds good. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We're already into the growing season where things are taking off. And already on some of the tomato plants, I'm seeing a lot of yellow flowers. And just think, just brushing your hands along our tomato plants, we are going to be eating tomatoes sooner, I think, than later. Now, let's go right back. I think Walter's waiting patiently on the line. Hello, Walter. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? I forgot to ask Jessina where she was from. Where are you calling from today? Oh, just uh, from sunny St. James. Sunny St. James. Well, <laughs> good morning, sunny St. James. Right. Uh, How- how can we help you this morning? I've got an apple tree here that's, uh, well, it's about 45 years old. Wow. It was uh, not apples, it's a crab apple tree. And oh, okay. It was, always, it was always every spring leaves just to, to, to see that you can. And this year is north northeast corner of it has kind of dried out a bit. I don't know, or winter or what. Uh, just some branches got a couple of leaves right in the end, and otherwise the branches just looks like it's dead. Okay, um, if it's been healthy up to this point, there could be. Or do you have? Uh, does it look uh, black, or is there a color change to the branches of the tree? Uh, uh, the tree seems to be like the bark is peeling and turning black underneath. Yeah. Okay. So you may have a little bit of a disease happening in there. So I would recommend that if it's if the bark is changing dramatically and it's closer to the ends of the tree, I would probably be doing some pruning and pruning that out that's on there. Oh, that's a big tree. And I, well, I'm almost 85 years old, so I don't know if I'm going to climb up there. No, well, if you're 85 years old, just 
like my mom is going to be 90 and she's notorious for getting up on her step stool. So at your age, just like my mom, good morning, mom, is do not get up on that ladder. I would say if you can get somebody to uh, do a little bit of that work for you to prune it out, and you can sit on the lawn chair and oversee the work for the, for you, okay? Oh, okay. And there's nothing I can put underneath and water it or something. Well, uh, not if it's diseased and not if it's black that's on there. Yeah, it's starting to, like, losing its bark in some places, like kind of curling the, the bark. Yeah, you know what? There is a, a fire blight that affects crab apples and apple trees that's on there. So if it's turning the bark a little bit different, and it almost looks like it's been scorched. Yeah, yeah, on... yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, fire blight you really can't treat. But uh, seriously, for a 45-year-old tree, you really want to care for it. What I want you to do is if you can cut back some of it, and if whoever's doing that cut for you, you're not doing it, you're off the ladder, is... Um, to make sure that they're when they're doing their cuts, make sure they're cleaning their secateurs or pruners between their cuts, okay? I sprayed it because there was uh, bugs on it. Well, like every year I spray it. Yeah. Uh, and all I didn't know they were there, but I sprayed it, they were falling out just like, oh, terrible, but all, all the ground now. Yeah, well, sometimes fire blight is uh, caused by... Um, it's a disease that can be caused by bugs. It could be caused by spread of wind blowing the disease in. And sometimes water droplets will bring it in. And it's usually affected by uh, lesions that are on the tree that's on it, okay? Yeah. Okay. So I wish you luck with your crabapple tree. But please, um, at your mature age, <laughs> sit on the lawn chair and do not go on the ladder. <laughs> I'm 85 years old. Well, that is a very good age. You think so, eh? Well, yes, I think so. And, you know, just like my mom, she's going to be 90 this year, and I think what a blessed age to be. Well, yeah, well, we're right now you can come over for lunch because we're just slapping pierogies together like you never believe it. <laughs> oh, pierogies? Yeah, we wow. Make, we make lots of pierogies. Well, the pierogies are good. The pierogies are good. Well, Thank you for calling, Walter. You know why? Because it's the Ukrainian are making it. I know. You know what? Uh, my my husband's babas used to make them at the pavilions downtown and that kind of stuff. And, oh, sauerkraut pierogies oh, are the they're best. Oh, here, too. Yep. Sauerkraut, cottage cheese, potato cheese, onion and bacon, and potato and cheese. Okay, everyone that has to grow some potatoes and grow some cabbage so that we can uh, teach them all how to make pierogi cabbage rolls. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's uh, very nice talking to you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Walter. Thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And for sure, that you're just giving me a little bit of a giggle. Uh, you know, as as uh, my parents are both country people that's in there and bringing in different types of nationalities and foods, the introduction into some of the Ukrainian foods, thankfully, through my husband and his family. I had never tasted a pierogi. I had never tasted, um, you know, sauerkraut before. But what a delectable portion. So if you can venture into the culinary aspect of growing your own foods and experimenting and doing some of these. There are so many recipes out there in the world that you can do and venture into different nationalities of cooking. Wow. Tasteful and delicious. And with that, that's perfect, right? 
Who wouldn't want to? You're making me hungry, Walter. I'm thinking about pierogies right now, and it's only 9.53 in the morning. All right. There's so much to talk about on gardening, and there's so many different elements that cause or affect our gardens. It makes us stronger. You really think about it, and you think, oh, bugs, disease. But there's the glory part of it that produces that when you go out and you look at your garden, I call it the walkabout. You take your you take your coffee, you take your lemonade, you enjoy the backyard, you see the grandchildren playing in the background of your, even the simplicity of a green lawn or in the backdrop of cotton field or the like wheat fields in the background. I was thinking cotton fields, but I'm thinking of the south where some of my other families are living. But you think of the different aspects and the color palettes and the shapes of trees, shrubs, plants, even to the simplest little plants that are only an inch above the ground. They do different things for us emotionally, physically. Yes, gardening's hard work. You're going to build some muscle. And also just it makes you happy. It makes you feel so good. And the sensory aspect of it is even fantastic as well. Because in essence, there are a lot of plants right now. And I remember because I walked, as I walked to my truck this morning, I'm just thinking, I have two lilac trees, two lilac trees in my backyard. Okay, sorry, two lilac trees in my backyard, one in the front. The ones in the backyard, beautiful Meyer lilacs that are in there. The scent that you get from some plants is so enveloping. All right. For those who have allergies, yes, I have allergies too. It gives my nose a little bit of a tickle that's on it. But you can't beat that scent that's out there. So if you're looking for it, and remember, the first introduction I had to lilacs is when we went to uh, always drive out to different areas of the country, whether we're going to Russell, Manitoba, or we're going to Gainesboro, Saskatchewan the farm rows of lilacs around the homesteads was a true form that sheltered our homes. Yes, sheltered, because we had to protect those areas and keep that microclimate close to the house so we can have our gardens, we can have our little reserve, and then have our outer fields. So we now have our lilacs in smaller orders of property, but you're not probably have the French lilacs that take over for your farm rows, unless you have a larger property. There's lilacs like Miss Kim, Minuet, Bloomerang. Oh, yes, Bloomerang Dark Purple. So it's a repeat bloomer that just keeps you going. But it's the sensory scents of these that are beautiful. Just imagine cutting a few of those lilacs, giving them just a slight little shake off before you take them in the house and putting them in a bouquet on the kitchen table. It brings you the scent. Now, one other one that people are looking for right now, because we, as we progress from early spring, you see your Saskatoons in bloom. You see the apple trees in bloom. The next little things that are going to be coming up. And if you want something that's scented, try out mock orange. And the mock orange varieties, you have your older ones that can go quite tall. That's on there, the tall shrubs of your mock orange or even little shorter mock orange. So it doesn't have to have this huge outer parameters. 
If you're looking for something that's a little taller, uh, the, your old-fashioned Minnesota snowflake maybe goes six, seven feet tall. Blizzard's going to give you a little height. Galahad. But let's say you have something that's a smaller backyard, something that's more boutique-ish that you want to have it, and you love the true scent of, what can I say, it's not lilac, citrus. It's almost like jasmine, citrus, orange blossom scent. The one that's really, really cute that I love is Snowbell, and it has these beautiful white. So if you access to a computer, look up mock orange Snowbell, and you'll see how pretty they are. And again, the citrus orange blossomy scent is so beautiful. And what I would do is maybe cut some of my peonies. I would maybe cut some uh, foliage from my ferns and a couple snippets of either mock orange or the lilacs and put those in my bouquet on the kitchen table. Do I got you thinking? Not only is it just about gardening outside, we want to bring those colors inside our home as well. And just think, your hydrangeas are going to be coming up next. There are so many different types of hydrangeas on the market. They're not scented, okay, but the glory and the color and the form and the shapes of mock oranges, or not, sorry, not the mock orange, the hydrangeas are coming up beautifully. I'm so excited to see the hydrangeas come up. We have about 25 different varieties here, and I'm just waiting for them to burst open. Think about your garden. Are you thinking about it? So are we. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next weekend on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.